0: morning we will now hear from the city of Roanoke Rapids versus Halifax
1: County uh, good morning your honors and may it please the court um, I'd like to reserve five minutes uh, rebuttal time um, my name is Jeffrey Davis and I represent the plaintiff appellant in this matter who is the city of Roanoke Rapids the city is located completely within the borders of Halifax County who is the defendant appellee um, this matter stems from a question of the party's obligations under state law with respect to a 911 dispatching center operated by the county of Halifax. Um, the question is before this court is ultimately one of whether the trial court correctly adjudicated the party's dueling summary judgment motions on their competing requests for declaratory relief. Um, of course, a, a uh, declaratory relief appeal um, I don't think there's any dispute about facts in this case. This is a uh, disagreement about the, the law. We're, we're asking for some clarity from the court system for um, re- regarding what the law says is regarding these obligations. And so the, um, this is a matter of de novo review for the court and and this is an important issue um not only for the the city of Reno grapids and for the county and the other municipalities located within our county but i i believe across the state there are there is no standard with respect to how these responsibilities especially with respect to the funding of 911 centers and, and dispatching operations are across the state it's done differently in, in every county um, and so, uh, as an initial matter, state 9 dispatching operations under um, our general statutes are called public safety answering points or PSAPs. And I'm going to try to use that terminology moving forward since that's, that's what we've used in our briefs and, and what the, um, what the uh, state statutes use. Uh, just to briefly touch on the history in this matter, um, since 1998, the County of Halifax has operated the local 911 uh, dispatching service for uh, that covers both the, um, their emergency operations as well as emergency uh, dispatching for other um, emergency response units and, and, emer- and agencies that respond to emergencies: fire, police, ambulance, things like that, um, throughout all of the uh, territory of Halifax County. Um, And, of course, that includes several municipal police departments, um, the uh, City of Rono Fire Department, um, those kind of agencies that respond to 911 calls. Um, And it has been the sole uh, public safety answering point in Halifax County. And in 1998, as as this kind of situation evolved and 911 got established, I think it's it's clear from the briefs, and, again, I'm not going to get too far into the history about it unless the the court uh, wants to. The uh, county and the other municipalities had agreements, and there have been some changes in those agreements and some evolution of those agreements over the years, but had written memorandums of understanding and agreements regarding um, the financial support for the uh, county 911 center. Um, And there were various formulas that were in there, but ultimately for our purposes, as we as we kind of move into uh the fiscal year of uh 2021 to 2022 um i'm sorry 2020 to 2021 there were several discussions between the city of renor grapids and uh the county of halifax um in part that was prompted by the increases that had come year over year with respect to uh myrna grapids expected contribution um and ultimately Pursuant to those agreements, and I don't think there's any dispute about this, in those agreements there was a clause whereby um, a municipality could exercise its termination of the agreement. And so, Roanoke Rapids chose to do that and made that effective um, for the fiscal year uh, beginning July 1st of 2022, so 2022-2023. And so, subsequent to that, um, this issue was still kind of out there with respect to funding obligations. And so the city of Rhino-Grapids initiated this, these proceedings by filing a, uh, a uh, lawsuit under the Declaratory Judgments Act. The county filed a counterclaim and that's what gets us here. Um, so the city takes issue with the trial court's ruling in two respects. The, the first is where the trial court determined that constitutional and statutory law limits the county from bearing the full costs of the public safety answering point. Uh, The second one, the second uh, matter that we take issue with and the one that I'm I'm probably going to focus on more is um, where the trial court determined that the city was required to pay for a portion of those costs. Um, Throughout this, throughout this dependency of this action and throughout the city's negotiations with the county, um, the city has always taken the position that um, the county can cover the full costs of the public safety answering point in Halifax County. And in fact, that because of subsequent changes to the law, that it should cover the full costs of the uh, of that public safety answering point, including municipal dispatching, that is, dispatching out to the individual emergency response vehicles out there in the field. And so I'm going to touch on the statutory and constitutional um, aspect of, of this, that, that kind of first. Um, that first issue that we bring to the court as far as the trial courts ruling rolling and then kind of move into that second one
2: counsel before you touch on those I, I guess setting up the claims to be really flushed out here we, we had agreements in the past back and forth what is, the, what, what is the argument as far as what math is it 100% that you're saying should be is it what could it be agreed upon? What claim of what math is really being asked for at the trial court? Because obviously getting to whether there's a constitutional statutory violation of a failure to meet an obligation, understood. But what claim of what has not been provided and what math are you arguing today?
1: So, So there's really not, there's really no guidance given for the court as far as the because the state statutes are silent, and because the um, administrative code with respect to how 911 um, the 911 board regulates the uh, various public safety answering points throughout the state, there's nothing said with respect to, to funding obligations of municipalities there. So if, so-,
2: so, if that's kind of the starting gate, what specifically are you asking? trial court to make a determination is it just specifically it's kind of it seems hey you must do this and if that is the case what amount and what what math are you asking for
1: we would maintain that they would have that the county would have to cover it hundred percent because they have that obligation so so
2: from a standpoint of kind of that's your basis of your negotiation standpoint not from this is being this is not statutorily mandated
1: Yes, because there's, because there's no statutory mandate. In fact, the, the only mandates that, that, we, that we would present to the court and that we can find are that, in fact, by maintaining a public safety answering point, the, um, the county is obligated to provide dispatching services uh, to the emergency response units, uh, the, the emergency vehicles out of the field, irrespective of, of who employs them. Who, who pays for who maintains those um, emergency uh, those emergency agencies
2: and has that that failure to provide the actual service I don't see anywhere in the facts where that has failed am, am i understanding that hasn't failed the dollar amount of who was on the hook for is what really is being at issue correct correct
1: correct and 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 because when when we issued that termination um, I, I think I think both parties knew that we were kind of headed this direction. Um, and so um, the, the, the county has, al- has always, throughout the pendency of this litigation, has continued to provide municipal dispatching. They haven't stopped and said, well, you didn't pay us, we're, we're not going to, um, you know, somebody calls 911, we're not going to send out a, a, a um, you know, let the, the Ronagraps police officer know that they need some assistance. Uh, that, that's not happened. Um, and, and so that, and so, they've continued to provide that. And, of course, that's one of the things in the trial court's order is, it's, is because the trial court found, and, again, we disagree with this, found that, yes, the city is obligated to pay something. Um, they determined a formula whereby that would be paid. And then, of course, ordered the, pursuant to that, ordered the city to pay back the amount that hasn't been paid since 2022.
0: So can mm-hmm. you, I'm
2: sorry, you go ahead. Last question, I think, and I can, I'll pass what case are you citing that gives the trial court jurisdiction to address this issue prior to an identifiable amount to be claimed? Because at this point we're kind of, we're almost asking a trial court, hey, give us an advisory opinion almost that this should happen because we don't have, we don't have a statutory framework, we don't have it. Give us an advice, it's ar- arguable to say. Yeah, so, so this is
1: filed under the Declaratory Judgments Act, and, and one of the one of the aspects of that is is you've got to show that there is there is some kind of threatened um, dispute or threatened action, and so in the lead up to this, and it's it's in the um, it's in the record. I don't know the specific page, but the county did transmit um, did transmit a letter whereby it said that you know we would take legal action. Um, this is how much we're we're asking for under the agreement. Uh, or or under the the fact that there is no agreement they determined it uh, they determined a number um, in the ballpark of four hundred thousand dollars that they would expect the county to they would expect the city to pay the county and then um send a bill to that effect send an invoice to that effect so we would say that's the the kind of threatened action that's that's where we kind of get to this stage to be able to say all right declaratory judgments act we want the court to tell us what this, what this means.
2: Understood, however. But would it not be more concrete for that bill to actually have incurred and for their, that alleged tort or civil action to be based upon that alleged wrong?
1: We would maintain that the bill has actually incurred. Um, because they, they sent us the bill, they, they forwarded it to us. Um, the invoice is out there; it's not been paid.
2: Had, had, but you said yourself, there was negotiation about that, correct?
1: There were negotiations in the lead up to the termination. Okay. Yes.
0: But the the city's been billed for two hundred three thousand four hundred thirty one dollars and fifty one cents, correct?
1: Uh, yes. At, at at the point of our filings. Now, I think that since then, it's been you know we we've we've finished that fiscal year. So presumably we would be, we would probably be closer to the $400,000 okay. amount. Okay. Okay. Um. I'm good on my Okay.
0: Yeah. So my question is, or questions are, and you said that by maintaining a PSAP mm-hmm. they're required to pay for it. Yes. Is this something that they entered into gratuitously? Was it an agreement a long time ago that they would maintain it and others would join? Can you have your own PSAP and then you have to pay 100% of it? Can you explain that whole dynamic?
1: So, so yes. And, and so to kind of address that, and, and so um, when these are, uh, agreements were originally negotiated back in, you know, 1998, and then through the evolution of the early 2000s, um, the uh, state law regarding, um, regarding the obligations of PSAP providers and their their call taking obligations and the definition of call taking evolved. It changed in 2010 and our position would be that 2010 is when that burden gets shifted to them completely. Because up until 2010, um, it didn't cover the last leg, uh, what I would characterize as the last leg of dispatching, that is, and the statute is now codified at 143B 1400 um, and, and specifically subparagraph 7. Um, the um, prior to 2010, that statute um, did not require the um, did did not require the uh, required the um, the operator Peace PSAP to only process a call up to the point that it is ready for dispatch. And so, in 2010, the state amended the the law and said you have to you have to process that call. Um, and essentially directed out to the emergency responders in the field. And then in North Carolina Administrative Code was amended and, and was made consistent with that. Um, and there's citations in the brief to the, the specific administrative code that makes it clear that what's contemplated there as far as the PSAP's obligation subsequent to 2010 is that the, um, is that they are expected to dispatch a call out to the, the actual responder in the field. Um, and and so when a when a PSAP is set up, um, it's a process. There's there's a there's a process of going before the nine one one board. And of course, as, as part of the nine one one board, there is a fee that's described in chapter one forty three B that comes off of um, phone bills um, that goes into a fund, and then out of that fund is paid to the local uh, PSAPs. And part of the basis for how much the funding they received is based on the, is based in part on what area they cover. And so the, the PSAP operated by Halifax County is receiving funding for covering the whole area of, of Halifax County, including all of the, uh, all of the municipal dispatching and, and other aspects. And so, to, to, but to go back to your question, the reason back in 1998 that you needed those agreements, is because at that point, a PSAP, a 911 center, wasn't obligated to cover that last leg of dispatching, so somebody had to cover that, and if the county said, "Well, I'm not going to, to do that without the city you know paying for that," you know the, the city had to, to enter a contract to, to resolve that issue, or I guess they could get, they could set up their own, they, they could set up their own PSAP. they would have to go through the process of uh, talking with the 911 board, have it certified and then um, that, that would that would they they would receive some of that funding, um, presumably if, if all that kind of fell in place. And and of course that 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 um, phone bill funding was not part of the original scenario back in nineteen ninety eight. It's something that has kind of evolved over time um, through these different changes in the different obligations. Um, and so
2: the um, so council with so would, would that with that scheme, isn't it fair to say that the city has their municipal law enforcement or any uh, first responders within their municipality, but the city does not have operators with a headset sitting in the, in the city hall. So there is at least an employee price tag. That's associated with the call coming into the county 911 center. And Then because of the geographical location of the person if they're within the city limits or that one mile Memorandum of agreement outside the city limits that most municipalities have with the counties that that call then gets pushed out to You know city of Roanoke Rapids Police Department or first responders or what-have-you and so there is some Arguable dollar amount associated with labor that is being communicated and pushed out to satisfy the obligation to the city you know whether it's you know people or travelers or anybody coming through the city limits there's some labor that's being pushed out to satisfy the the emergency response obligation correct
1: there there is and and of course with with rapids being located completely in Halifax County um, you know the emergency response may include agents of, of Halifax County or, or um, you know, other, other um, county-operated um, emergency services. The, and, of course, there are several functions that a county performs um, under state law. In fact, probably many functions that a county performs that the municipalities aren't expected to thereby contribute to. Um, they've chosen to perform this, this PSAP operation. They don't have to. They have to have access to one. If, if they didn't have one, you know, somebody would have to set one up. Um, the benefit is is that when you set one up, you get the funding. Now, now I think as we, as we talked about it at the, at the trial court, that funding is restricted. That is, you can't, you can't go take that and, and pay for every cost of dispatching, but you can pay for some of those costs. And you also get control of it and get to operate it, and and that was the other kind of aspect of this this prior situation when we were in the agreements is. Under those old agreements, the amount that was paid one of the one of the kind of variables in that agreement was the uh, budgeted cost rather than the actual costs that were paid, and so as far as the not only as far as costs but then as far as the the management and the um, Operation and and just the control of those there was an advisory board that was set up in those prior agreements But there was nothing with respect to there was no meaningful way that a municipality could contribute to that It was basically, you know, this is how much you owe us Um, And and so, you know, I think the county funding 100% of it is consistent with them being able to make those choices as far as how they as far as how they choose to staff it how they what equipment they choose to use
2: things like that um, I, I don't don't disagree with the staffing piece however I'm I'm kind of not hearing you address specifically and let me take a hypothetical for you um, chapter 20 um, collisions at every stoplight within the city of Roanoke Rapids I would find it hard press for the Chief of Police for (laughs) Rapids and the Sheriff of Halifax County to come up with an agreement to say, okay, Sheriff, well, if you guys are on the hook paying for all the 911, if it gets dispatched, it's going to to the Sheriff's deputy and they're coming in to do the traffic report for the fender bender at every stoplight. I don't think that Sheriff is going to let that dog hunt. So get me to where if the 911 dispatch for every fender bender at all the stoplights that happen in the city limits comes to a city officer how which cuz if if it doesn't and nobody responds you could have continu- further accidents or people are sitting there injured nobody's getting you know there to help them get me to where the city would not need to share in some cost of that person working to dispatch that call to make sure that there's not a lack of response to traffic accidents in the city limits of, of Rona Rapids.
1: And, and of course, you know, the city maintains, you know, the, the, the vehicles, all the other kind of aspects that, that may be related to an officer that's going to respond to that. Um, I, I, our position is merely that if the, if the state says, all right, you can set up a public safety answering point and an entity such as the county says, all right, we're gonna set up a public safety answering point that's gonna cover this, this jurisdiction and we're gonna maintain it. Um, they get a couple things. They get the they get the funding that comes in from from that, um, but they also get the the responsibility and the obligation to dispatch to those whether it's municipalities, wh- how, whoever is maintaining those emergency services, um, within that that area that they're covering, um, and, and so I, I don't think they can kind of have. One one foot in the door and, and one foot out. I, I think if you're if if they're going to say, all right, we're going to do it at this point under state law, they've accepted that obligation, and and so they've got to follow through with that obligation. I realize that may means that that you know. Here in 2023 versus in 1998, the city's not having to pay for something that it it was formerly having to pay for. Uh, that's, that's the case, and that's, that's just the way that it, it's kind of worked out, and that's that's why this case is before the-, the
0: so, so, it's your position that, that, that the General Assembly has created a 911 call center, a app. Yes. That somebody has to run, correct? I mean, we have to have them. Yes. We have to be a member of them, correct?
1: You do. You, you, that one has to cover your area.
0: One has to cover your area, and yet, whoever steps forward to do so, is going to bear the full cost of doing it for everybody.
1: Correct. Correct. That's 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 our position. Okay. And, and, and that because, seems
0: because to me to not motivate anybody to step forward and do that. Is that correct?
1: Well, there is there is some funding that would come in, and again, does I think cover, the cover
0: mo- does it cover the whole center.
1: It, it does not cover the, it does not cover every aspect. So, by of stepping the
0: center. forward, you incur a debt uh, out of the gate. Correct.
1: Uh, yes. they, they, they would that would be. There would be some costs that they would have to pay that would not be covered by the funding that they were getting from 911.
0: Okay, and you talked about the the benefit of operating one. It doesn't sound like a benefit.
1: Well, it's a benefit in that you get control over it. You get to determine, you know, how you staff it, and 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 you're not kind of beholden to another um, entity that is is operating it, and you know, determining how they staff it and how they run it.
0: But you. But you have to pay for those people that you staff it with, correct? Because correct. the nine one one, am I understanding that the fee that you get from the cell phone doesn't cover
1: that? It does not cover personnel. That, okay. That's correct. Okay. And, and I think, and I think part of that, part of the, and, and as to the, the the basis behind that, you know, we, we can kind of guess. But I, I think part of it is the understanding that you know counties employ, you know, a lot of people in in different kind of roles. Um, especially when you're talking about emergency services and that it may be where, you know, how they choose to, to, empl- to staff those, whether it's with, you know, employees under the, uh, as far as the sheriff's office or as far as another agency
2: is, is kind of left to them. Councilor, I guess I'm going back, backtracking. If, if we really don't have any true statutory guidance, Statutes are silent on it. We're asking the trial court to make this determination. Is this a case that's really ripe for the judiciary versus our friends over in the legislature stepping up to the plate and actually coming up with with that guidance and with that scheme versus the, the, the courts telling folks what it should be whenever we don't know what it should be?
1: I think that they've spoken in in saying that the obligation of a PSAP operator, you know, extends to the emergency response vehicles in the field, and they didn't say anything that that makes any kind of distinction between who employs that emergency responder. Um, And so I would say that that's where they've they've spoken, and and that's what the the word is from the, the legislature. I would reserve the the rest of my time unless there are any questions at this point. Thank you.
3: Good morning and may it please the court. My name is Glenn Rollins. I'm the Halifax County Attorney, of course here on behalf of the defendant appellee in this matter. Um, I'd I'd like to respond to a few things that have uh, been said during the exchange with uh, Mr. Davis and in particular with respect to some questions about whether or not the statutes are silent uh, on this whole issue. What's before the court today is something that's never been before this court before. And, And that's whether or not a local government that is operating a PSAP that also has other local governments that need access to that PSAP is required to bear the cost of operating that PSAP on its own. We contend that it's not, uh, for a number of reasons that I'm about to get into. Um, the in, in August of 2019, the General Assembly amended uh, GS 143B 1406, which is the statute with respect to distribution of money from the 911 fund to a PSAP. That was amended to require that all local governments shall participate in a 911 system. Now, a 911 system is something that's larger than a PSAP. A PSAP is part of that system, but basically the system is what's provided by your different uh, telecom companies and so forth that contract with the state to have the way to dial 911 and hit the right PSAP for where you're located. But to participate in a 911 system, you can only do that one of two ways. You've either got to operate a PSAP or you have to have the ability to have your, your public safety services serviced by a App. You have to have access to a PSAP. You have to be able to use some other unit of government's PSAP. The other thing to keep in mind here as we start is to understand that counties, Apps are not exclusive. Operation of a App is not exclusive to county government. There are many municipalities that operate a PSAP, and as I've mentioned in the brief, one one example that I'd like to remind uh, the court of is in Lee County, where the only PSAP is the City of Sanford Police Department. So that PSAP in the City of Sanford is taking calls for the Sheriff's Office in Lee County. Uh, And the position that the uh, plaintiff appellant takes in this case is that the city of Sanford should be responsible for all those local costs of operating that PSAP, which just doesn't make sense.
0: Can you clarify something for me? Yes. When you say a 911 system, what I hear you saying is intake of the call from the individual caller, either at the PSAP or at an entity that transfers it to the PSAP and then it transfers or it it dispatches that call to an ambulance or a sheriff and it ends when the sheriff answers the phone call or does it literally end when the sheriff goes out and takes care of?
3: A 911 system is actually much broader than that. Uh, The 911 system provider in Halifax County is AT&T. But, but for it to function, there has to be a PSAP for AT&T to route a call to. Once it is received by the PSAP, then those communicators in the PSAP have to determine who in the field needs to be dispatched. And I mean down to the individual patrol car, ambulance, fire truck, whatever it may be. So a 911 system is actually much broader, it's not just It's not just the PSAP, it's actually that whole telecommunicator company such as AT&T that makes that possible.
0: And just so that I'm clear, that individual police officer, however, is not considered part of your system.
3: They're not part of the PSAP, the 911 system. Okay. When that call gets dispatched by the telecommunicator in our PSAP, once it's dispatched, that that completes what the PSAP is That's the edge of your system? Yes. Okay. I want to speak for a minute uh, uh, about how you fund a PSAP. And and, and that is to say that no local government can use property tax revenues, the levy of property tax to fund a PSAP. If if you look at the general statutes that have to do with the limitations on property tax and for counties uh, that's 153A149, For cities, it's 168-209, I think, that deals with the limitations on the use of the property tax. Under our Constitution, the General Assembly has to say what the specific purposes of uh, or expenditures that can be made on the property tax. A PSAP is not listed there anywhere. You'll find no authority to use property taxes to pay for a PSAP. You will find also that if uh, under the uh, statutes that have to do with borrowing money or issuing bonds or debt for capital outlay, you will find no authority to fund the, the facility for a peace app, a building and the chairs and seats. There's no authority to do that. So how is it that we're able to do it? We do it because having a peace app or having access to a peace app, if you're like the city of Rock Rapids is part of your public safety service operation. It's a necessary part. How can you have a police department if you don't have some way that they can be called and sent out to render aid? In the old days, before 1998, every municipality had their own call center, the county had its own call center, then 911 came, enhanced 911 came soon after that. And this is when PSAPs came about. But the funding mechanism didn't change. If I have a police department, I've got to have a way for my police officers to to know there's a problem and get to the problem. And I have to do that. Why? Because the statute says I must participate in a 911 system. So if if a local government that is not operating its own PSAP, has to have access to a PSAP and can't pay for it directly, they pay for it because they're serv- They're providing those public safety services, whether it's fire, rescue, animal control, police. That being the case, to say that a local government such as Halifax County, which operates a PSAP, to say that Halifax County has to fund the entire local cost of, its, of the peace app, um, without contribution from the other municipalities within the county, means that the county has to appropriate funds that it has no authority to do. A county has no authority to support financially a municipal police department. A county has no authority to support financially a municipal fire department. Um, those things and. Including those things have to be paid for by that municipality, including the share of the local cost of operating the PSAP. When I say local cost, I mean those things that cannot be paid for with 911, State 911 Board funding. Uh, and one of the biggest items of expense that cannot be paid for with 911 funding is the cost of personnel. The cost of personnel is strictly a local expense that has to be, be taken on. on <coughs> by the PSAP operator with the assistance of the other PSAP users within that PSAP service area.
2: Councilor, let me ask just for you to clarify. um, Completely following what you're saying thus far, how would you differentiate a township that doesn't have emergency management? Would they be forced to, you know, they need the service, they're a township, so they you know they might have a town council and a budget um, but they don't have a police department Um, let's say they got fire department but they don't have police department are are they going to have to be on the hook for for PSAP as well they should only um, they
3: should only be responsible for whatever public safety services they may be having to the extent that their call volume, the percentage of their call volume into the PSAP, um, it it should be the percentage of the local cost of personnel that they ought to share. Uh, There are a couple of towns, for example, in Halifax County. Town of Hobgood, the town of Halifax, offer no public safety services. They aren't required or asked to contribute to the local expense of the PSAP in Halifax County.
2: I hope that answers. All right. Let me and I'm and I am following it, so let me I'm parsing it out so I kinda build my understanding even more. A township, no police department, but they have a fire department, and their fire department, because they've agreed with the county to have a fire department, is responsible for this section to be the first responder for any house fires in this area before they call anybody else.
3: And I don't want to st- split hairs too much with you about that but if it's in a really rural community such as we tend to have in in our county that fire department is likely a volunteer fire department that's actually in a in a rural fire district Mm -hmm. they may also serve that town Mm -hmm. but they certainly serve the rest of the county in the rural fire district Um, our position would be that to the extent that they are responding to a fire within that town's limits Mm -hmm that particular call that took that emergency and dispatched into the town would count toward that, municip- that town's call percentage of the total call volume. Because that call would go to them first before it would go to anybody else. Presum- it, it, presumably so. That <laughs> isn't necessarily how it works in Halifax, but I take your illustration. Yes, sir. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, to, to, con- to continue, our, our main point is this is that every municipality, every local government rather, that has public safety services as part of what they provide their citizens has to include necessarily the cost of being able to have their public safety personnel alerted to an emergency and dispatched to an emergency. Um, And they, they they can legally pay for that with their property tax levy, Uh, because they can pay for police, fire, rescue services within their respective communities with property tax levy. Uh, They cannot pay, Uh, and neither the the county nor any town in the county can directly pay for the cost of the PSAP in Halifax County. It has to be under that public safety uh, services that each are providing. That's how those costs are covered.
0: The Can you answer, uh, yeah. re- respond to the fact that the statute was changed that added that last leg of the call to what the PSAP must do, that that in particular caused now the cost to be borne by the PSAP operator?
3: I, I, I totally disagree with the contention that that change in what must be done by PSAP, by going to the actual dispatch in the field, Mm -hmm. made any difference. For all practical purposes in Halifax County, um, the telecommunicators in the PSAP have been doing that even before that change was made. You have to, because if there's a break, then that doesn't work. Exactly. And and, and it's not made any practical difference in what the practice has been in Halifax County before that change was made. So I I don't see the, in fact, it's hard for me to see the point that, okay, beforehand, you're saying that as a PSAP, we didn't have to make that final leg, but you had to help us pay for the PSAP then. But now that we have to make the final leg and do more, you you don't have to help us with the local cost. So I I don't quite follow the argument. And for all practical purposes, it just makes no difference because we're just going to do that. to go back to it, in case I want to go back to a question about justiciability on the uh, that, that you raised, Judge Gore, earlier. Um, I agree with Mr. Davis that as soon as we got the official word from the city of Rapids that they were not going to, that they were going to terminate the interlocal agreements we had in place, uh, the county wrote to the city to let them know that. You know we're going to continue to provide the service because we have to we, we you just have to but we were going to invoice them for their pro share of the call volume based on we base this on the previous calendar year call volume and use that as a percentage of a personnel cost uh, to recoup that from each of our municipalities that have need for
2: PSAP services counselor is that is that kind of within the municipal framework or is that kind of industry standard for how it's calculated there th- I
3: couldn't tell you what the
2: industry standard is uh, I, th-
3: this is this has been uh, our effort at trying to come to a fair resolution of how these local and the biggest local cost there are other things I mean your pens and paper and that kind of thing you know call, call something but the personnel cost because we have to answer calls I think the the nine one one board requires and, and says that a PSAP shall answer ninety percent of its calls within ten seconds. We have to answer ninety-five percent of our calls within twenty seconds. So and that's to get the nine one one funding. You've got to meet that that threshold. Uh, and they monitor that monthly. And because of that. The cost of personnel and the personnel you need is necessarily dependent upon how many calls you have to take. With the city of Rock Rapids, they are roughly 24 to 25% of our call volume on an annual basis. Uh, so you can see that that's a sizable amount of the call volume, you know, less than that. Our personnel costs might be less, but the, in the end, it, it, it was our view that the best solution for how much should we ask from each municipality would be a percentage of the personnel cost based upon the percentage of their call volume in the previous year. Um, and we do have a provision to adjust that if, if you want. At the end of the year, if our budget for personnel was less than what we predicted it was, then there's you know, provision to, to take some of that back or give some of that back to the municipality or credit it to the next year. If it was more, then they're asked to contribute a bit more, depending on where your actual personnel costs come as opposed to your estimated personnel cost in your in your budget. The, in, in, in the end, our, our basic position is that. The cost of participating in a 911 system is a cost that every unit of local government has to bear, whether they are the PSAP operator or not. Uh, and if they are using the services of a PSAP operator, then they should help in the local cost not covered by the 911 fund uh, based upon their percentage of the call volume uh, that, that they have on a, on a regular
2: basis.
0: Just um, from my understanding, do you, are there um, areas where you have overlapping PSAP operators so that, that's for example here, if you, if the, the county operates a PSAP and the city operates a PSAP, do you have instances of that and how does that work?
3: We don't have that in Halifax County.
0: In, 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 maybe you can't speak to.
3: And I really people. don't, I really don't know how that works. Certainly in Wake County there are a number of PSAPs, and in several counties there are a number of PSAPs, and some are the, prim- there may be a primary PSAP, and then the other PSAP may be a secondary or backup PSAP that's operated by a different unit of government. In Halifax County, we have both the primary PSAP and we've also established our own secondary PSAP, actually in Roanoke Rapids, but it's a a county uh, operation.
0: And I I guess my question is in in attempting to draft something here, this is going to be used obviously in other cases in other cities and counties throughout North Carolina because you're the first.
3: It it may be. Um, What I appreciated about Judge Foster's order was that he recognized that what I think we all recognize is that we would prefer that this be the topic of a successful negotiation of an interlocal agreement. Um, That that certainly would be favored. And I think Judge Foster indicated that he he acknowledged that that uh, would be possible and that if an interlocal agreement negotiated on some of the basis, the order he entered with respect to Halifax County and the city of Roanoke Rapids um, could be whatever that interlocal agreement might be, um, you know, a year from now or whatever it may be, so long as the restrictions on what we can spend tax revenues on and what that municipality can spend tax revenues on are, are, are up, you know, abided, you, know, you abide by that. Um, so, yes, it, there, there is, I'm well aware that the decision in this case could have a, is going to be a, could be a statewide impact. I have the sense, not that I've surveyed the state, but I have a sense that many, many uh, jurisdictions have interlocal agreements in place and they're getting along. And not that we aren't getting along, it's just we could not reach agreement on, in this matter. And, and we, we have an interlocal agreement in place with the other municipalities in Halifax County right now. It's just that the city is, is you know, did, didn't see fit to, to join that. And that's fine, but that's, that's why we're here.
0: And is it my understanding that, that those other municipalities chose not to be joined? There was something in the record regarding that.
3: When, when the declaratory judgment action was filed and we filed our counterclaim for declaratory judgment, there, it, it, it's basically required that if there are other parties that might be affected by that declaratory judgment action, that they be joined. We, uh, we, the, 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 the two parties here asked those other municipalities if they wanted to waive being joined and just accept whatever the outcome of this litigation was. They all agreed to do that, did not want to go to the expense of having their own council involved in this matter, and they're just waiting to see what's going to happen. I think those are my major points. Unless you have questions, I, I will have a seat. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: I, uh, I, I do want to respond to um, one of two things um, to, to judge Collins uh, question with respect to um, that that last leg of dispatching and and the the change that took place after 2010 I think prior to 2010 con- conceptually what I what I believe would happen and and what I, I think the the um, the, the record shows is, is that at least in theory if you didn't have this arrangement with a a kind of unified uh, dispatching operation that when an emergency took place for instance in the city of runner rapids um, there was a fire and a fire truck had to be dispatched that instead of uh, that without that agreement in place prior to 2010 that all that the um, county dispatching operation was required to do was contact the fire department and say hey you need to dispatch somebody out to this so that essentially there would be kind of what I would characterize as maybe a mini dispatching operation there at the at the fire station or, or um, at the fire department that would say all right you know we need to send this truck out whereas
2: well counselor was that based upon the Legislature saying, "Hey, I think this is a good idea," or based upon the lack of the infrastructure to be able to dispatch it to that last leg. I
1: I think that I think the legislature was silent on it uh, with respect. And was
2: that a physical impossibility prior to the nine one one system coming? I'm frankly
1: not sure. There had to be some way, whether whether through you know some kind of pre, you know. some kind of communication systems to let emergency responders in the field know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the extent that that could be unified at that point, obviously at, at, at some point it was with Halifax County, um, so they got to that point, so the technology existed. Um, and so the, um, but but, it, but if you didn't have that, if you didn't have that agreement to cover that last leg, I think all that the, the county PSAP at that point was required to do was to let the the agency that would be responding to it no. hey, you need to dispatch somebody out to this. So, post two thousand and ten, no, they've got to they've got to cover that. They've got to they've got to extend to the actual emergency responder in the field. They don't go. There's not like a, a switchboard or something that it passes through there at the um, local local agency. And, and I'll just say too, um, one of the reasons that this this situation is acute. For the city of Runic Rapids is the amount that Runic Rapids would have to contribute based on its call volume, and maybe that's, maybe that's, and and that probably is the effect of just the nature of Runic Rapids versus the other municipalities within the, the county w- within the the county of Um But it's very difficult for a city council to justify to its constituents, say, all right, we're going to budget. $400,000 a year when our budget is maybe between $15 million and, and $17 million over the past maybe five years. Um, we're going we're gonna to budget $400,000 to pay for municipal dispatching services when other uh, other municipalities may not be paying for those services. There may not be consistency as far as that. They may have different requirements. Uh, they, their, their interlocal agreements uh, may describe different Formulas and, and things like that for, for how they're how they compensate for those costs or how they've negotiated those costs And and that's the I think that's the issue that we're here Council I understand on that
2: that argument, but couldn't it also be argued? Um, Would a positive spin Politicians do it all the time that there's no dollar amount That's too high to put on safety for their constituents for the town of the city of Roanoke Rapids.
1: I, I think that I, I think that that's that's well taken and I think it's important to to everyone that a nine one one call gets called and it gets answered. Um and but but you know I, I will note and one of the things that's come up before is of course a resident of the city of Roanoke Rapids is paying county taxes
2: which go to support the Peace app as well as city taxes. Sounds like politicians need to put their heads together and talk about it. I'm just, I'm just saying, math, math, math sounds like it is part of the crux of this argument that has not been able to be flushed out prior to it being at the, you know, and I understand that's where the rubber meets the road, it sounds like, in this, this case, so.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you. We will take this under advisement. Thank you both for your excellent arguments. Mr. Clerk.